what's going on everybody welcome back to the podcast this is your host andre hutchins and you are listening to episode 103 of the backseat directors podcast welcome back to our longtime listeners and if you are new welcome to the show backseat directors is a podcast dedicated to the celebration and discussion of all things movies but today's episode i actually have my sister samantha as a guest on today's episode and we are going to do another segment of defend your movies so samantha has been tasked with choosing three movies that she loves but the critics hate on rotten tomatoes and she's going to defend her movies and tell us why she loves them so again thank you for being here thank you for downloading today's episode I can't tell you how much I am grateful for all the support that you guys give me and the Backseat Directors uh, podcast and team. You know, we have we have a team of writers. We have a website. Go to BackseatDirectors.com. You can check out all their reviews, all their articles there. Really fantastic people and great work that they put out. Um, if you're interested in showing more support to the podcast, I would ask that you goes you guys go and leave me a review. Uh, either on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now, just rate and review Backseat Directors. It helps get the podcast on the map. It helps within the data and algorithms of finding Backseat Directors when people are doing searches. But that's something really that I would really appreciate if you guys want to give some more support to Backseat Directors. Um, and yeah, and if you guys want to reach out to me, uh, you can just go on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am most active on Twitter. Uh, that's probably will, where you'll get a lot of engagement from me, or you can just reach out to me directly if you'd like to send me an email. That email address is andre at backseatdirectors.com. Again, that's andre spelled A-N-D-R-E at backseatdirectors.com. All right, let's get on with the show and welcome Samantha onto the podcast. Samantha, <laughs> Andre, <laughs> welcome back to this po- to this podcast. Thank you. It's the only podcast I've been on. So. <laughs> Always nice to be back. <laughs> Weren't you and your friend Rachel going to make your own podcast? It was, <laughs> it was an idea that we had, but it just it just seems very time consuming, and I don't know. I just don't know if it. Be worth all the work that it requires. So, well, hopefully one day. And Rachel Ogden, since you do listen to this podcast, hopefully you guys do decide to do your own podcast because you would have at least one listener. Well, that is good. <laughs> Maybe that's all we need. <laughs> um, but listeners, I have my sister Samantha here with me, actually in person. And this is the first in-person podcast that I've recorded in, I mean, like with a guest on, probably since 2018. So it's been a while. It's been a long, healthy minute. Let's just say that. (laughs) But Samantha is visiting from out of town and we actually get to record a podcast together. So I'm really excited. Are you excited? I am. I'm very nervous. Yeah, (laughs) apparently. And I don't know why. It's just you and me in a basement right now. Um, But Samantha, you're joining me for an episode of Defend Your Movies. I am. And I'm really excited for this episode. I've been looking forward to it for a while. It's actually since you started doing it. How long did it take you to choose your movies? A while. It was 
Because when you first told me about the podcast, then I just started looking up movies. <laughs> and I had a hard time finding movies that critics thought were rotten. And I was just so proud of myself oh, for having such a good <laughs> <laughs> for having such a good taste in movies and i told you i was like andre i don't think i can do this podcast because i have such good taste that all the i just like all the critics agree with me <laughs> and you just told me you're like keep looking and you said they are there you said i promise that they are there <laughs> and i kept looking and there they were <laughs> after <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> and finding the remnants of these rotten fruits Thrown away and discarded by critics, yeah. Samantha actually found a few movies that she is <laughs> ready to defend. Um, They're so, worth defending. So. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I'm excited to talk about these three movies because I enjoy all three of these movies. And one of them in particular is very, very personally, um, I'm just very fond of. So, I okay. Think I know which one. But I'm excited to see which one. <laughs> Let's start off with your first movie. Okay. Um, so this first movie, mm-hmm. I found it because as you told me to look for movies, then every time a movie came to my head that I thought, I really like that movie. So I just looked it up just as a protocol, I guess. And... I didn't expect it to be rotten because it's such a good movie for me. Like it's just one of my favorites. And so I was so shocked, not only that it was rotten, but how low of a rotten score that it was. <laughs> and so like right off the bat, I was like, I have to defend this. Like it wasn't even a question because I was making a list of movies to like to consider defending. Mm-hmm. And so I found this one. And I was like, it's not even a question. Like, that is on my permanent list of movies to defend. <laughs> so, the movie is The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> the 2005... No, 2000... Well... 2004 or 5. Yeah, t- 2005. We'll just say 2005, because that's yeah. when most people were able to go see it. So, 2005. Yes. Right. So, with... I mean, with Emmy Rossum and Patrick Wilson and Gerard Butler. <laughs> um, and... And uh, my favorite Minnie part Driver. of the movie, Minnie Driver. <laughs> I love Minnie Driver. <laughs> <laughs> she has an outrageous accent in that movie. Outrageous. <laughs> Fun fact, I read that she took it from an angry Italian neighbor that she used to live by. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. So that's why it's outrageous. It's because it's an angry Italian. <laughs> so this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, it is beloved by the audience and it is practically loathed by critics which is it's rare that you see such a massive massive divide um from critics with 170 submitted reviews on Rotten Tomatoes the critics have an approval rating of 33 percent it's pretty low and on the audience side, though, it has an approval rating of 84% with over 412,000 uh, reviews submitted. and um, Or not reviews, just user ratings. My apologies. So, obviously, the movie did not hit with critics. So, let's talk about why it did hit with you. Not for anything in particular that I remember when I first saw it. Because, actually, when I first saw it, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> Well, you would have been young. Yeah, I was in the fourth grade when I saw it. Yeah, you would have been young when it, it came out. It was my first 
PG-13 movie, I think. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so I was surprised that mom and dad let me go see it with everyone. Um, but as I've watched it over the years, then it's just become one of my absolute favorite movies because with, and particularly just kind of with the coloring, then the beginning or the present time is black and white. And then whenever it, well, the beginning scene when it goes back to, I think it's 1920, mm-hmm. um, of the opera Populaire's Prime, mm-hmm. then you just have this huge like wind blowing through the opera house and it just turns from spider webs of black and white to bright, brilliant gold and these beautiful statues and this gorgeous crystal chandelier and it just shows, um, for me, it's kind of just a difference of how we're in the present and we kind of have a tendency to say, oh, the past, like, oh, the good old days. And so I think they kind of reflect that, how everyone thinks, like, oh, the good old days, like, way back when. And they show us, like, how, just, like, how gaudy everything was about the house. Um, so I really love that. And the music is really, really beautiful. I think that I everyone love the music. does such I love a good the job. Music. Yes. So I remember... Remember, um, after having seen the movie, then our parents bought the soundtrack, and um, particularly Holly, my sister Holly, <laughs> would listen to it every Sunday, and we listened to it so much that <laughs> I basically memorized the entire movie, <laughs> like lines, <laughs> to, like speaking lines and singing lines. I can just sing it all, and I have to really use all of my strength to mm. not sing along and talk along when I watch it with other people because I think it really drives them crazy. Yeah. Um, but I I haven't seen a Broadway play and I haven't read the book. So that might be part of the reason why some people really hate it. Maybe it's not accurate to the book or maybe, maybe Broadway does a way better job of doing certain things. But I just love the movie. It is beautiful to mm-hmm. look at. I think the actors and actresses do a really good job of portraying their characters. I like how, particularly, I always like um, villain origin stories. I've had this conversation about the Joker, um, because I just really like where you don't just have a villain, you have someone who was turned into a villain (laughs) due to certain things that have happened to them. So everyone says the Phantom is horrible, like he's a murderer, he is so uncompassionate, he just all these things, all these negative things. In reality, he was, from what I understand from the movie, he was an abandoned boy or sold to the circus and is beaten for other people's pleasure. And you have this human who is being mocked and laughed at and no one cares about him. And then you, so you can't really wonder why he hates the world. Yeah. Because the only world he knows is one that hated him. Which is what he says. He says, at the very end, Raul says, have you no compassion? And the fandom says, the world showed no compassion to me. Like, what did you, what did you expect? Like, how else do you expect me to act when all I've known is what mm-hmm. I've known? <laughs> so, I really like how they explained that. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's just a really fun, beautiful movie, and 
It has a lot of really funny, quippy lines <laughs> that I like, particularly, um, I think, just by um, Andre and Fiamen, but also... Monsieur Andre. <laughs> Monsieur Andre and Monsieur Fiamen. And, but also, you have to um, say that Minnie Driver was probably the funniest part of the movie because of her outrageous <laughs> accent. <laughs> and... Um, just how sucked in she is with herself. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, because okay. she was the diva. She was the leading star until Christine came along. But I I love Emmy Rossum and her singing. It is incredible. And here's another little factoid. But she landed the role in part when she screen tested and sang because all the people who tried out for the part had to sing in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber, mm-hmm. who is the, he's the creator. He's the writer of the musical. Uh, yes, of the Fan of the Opera musical, among others, Cats included. Um, and she sang in front of him, and he said, you're Christine. So I didn't know that. He was so impressed by her performance that he said, you are our girl. Um, but yeah, her, her singing is incredible, but... One of the main criticisms that this movie gets is not from Amy Rossum singing. It's from from the Phantoms. Gerard Butler singing. So what do you think about Gerard Butler's performance in this movie? To be honest, I've never found it bad. Because I remember mom saying that he kind of ruined the movie or something (laughs) like that. Maybe it wasn't that extreme. But that she just said he didn't have that great of a voice. And I remember watching the movie again after that trying to trying to like find criticism and i just couldn't maybe like maybe the end of music of the night when he's holding that really high really long note yeah but i think that note for any guy would be really hard (laughs) but i still i just i don't i don't have a problem with his singing neither do i it's not I mean, I still don't hate that, but it's not like Russell Crowe singing. Oh, God. I know that's, I think that's more worthy of criticism, although that doesn't also bother me as much. But maybe that's saying something (laughs) for me. You're talking specifically with Les Mis. Yes. Yes. Um, No, I I think Gerard does just fine. I think he's very serviceable. Whether or not he has the greatest voice in the world, I think is debatable. But I enjoy his singing in the movie. I liked it. I liked it. From what I read, he took voice lessons, and I think he did just fine. Is he a Broadway singer? Probably not, but Amy Rossum is. (laughs) Well, I mean, not a Broadway. I mean, she was in opera for years as a child, um, singing. That was part of her kind of upbringing. But Mm -hmm. um, the director—I don't know if how familiar you are with him. His name is Joel Schumacher, and he's directed quite a few films. But some of the more memorable, and maybe not for the best reasons, are. Two Batman movies, one starring Val Kilmer and the other starring George Clooney, which are considered some of the most campy and criticized (laughs) Batman movies ever made um, with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I think he does a very good job in this movie. So uh, all the things that you said, I I love this movie. This was, you know, I was gone in Argentina for a couple years um, serving a religious mission for our church. And when I came back, this was one of the first movies I saw because it came out just uh, a number of months before I got home. And I fell in love with the movie too. And I remember listening to the soundtrack over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> Every and, Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great movie. It really is. So I, I think, yes, I think this was a great movie to choose to defend. So yeah, I mean, 33% from the critics, 
uh, for an approval rating, that I think that is far too low. I far think, low. just one more thing, um, I think that this movie was also kind of meant to be watched in a theater, because particularly for the beginning scene when you change from the black and white to the first colored um, scenes, then you just have this huge blast of sound out of nowhere. Yeah. And I don't feel like you really get that experience of literally being blown away to the past yeah. in on a smaller TV screen. Yeah, no, that's without a, surround sound. It's a great point. It's and a great point. Yeah. It's an opera house where you're watching operas, which are huge. They are massive. And I think watching it on a smaller mm-hmm. screen doesn't give you quite the same scale size right. as the disaster that happened as again a theater <laughs> screen. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point because the, the the soundtrack is very it's meant to be loud and bombastic and just the those trumpets huge notes of the organ and just mm-hmm. you know no it that's a great point that's a great point yeah it definitely needs to get the full experience you would have to have a very nice sound system definitely okay that's a great first movie samantha you ready for movie number two movie number two movie number two what is movie number two movie number two is a night sale with nice. keith ledger and oh, shannon i don't remember her last name I want to say Gossamer or something. Oh, uh, you're talking about the leading lady? Yes. Do you know that she's from Reno? Yes. Our hometown where we grew up in? <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, her, her name is... Shannon Sossaman. Sossaman, yep. That's yeah, right. who plays Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, she went to Galena High. Yeah, but also Paul Bettany and Alan Tudyk. Well, yes, but I'm just saying the main two... I guess. Yes. But I guess they're more mean than mm-hmm. her. <laughs> um, so I found this movie. Again, it was just really random because when you first started putting out your first podcast of Defend Your Movies, then, I don't know, I think I just randomly looked at this movie because, again, it's one of my favorites. And I was baffled that <laughs> the critics hated it because it's... Okay, so one of my favorite directors is Baz Luhrmann. Um, so he directs Moulin Rouge, and he does a Netflix show called The Get Down, um, and he did uh, Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes and Leo DiCaprio. Wait, who is this? Baz Luhrmann. No, but uh, uh, who's Baz Luhrmann to A Knight's Tale? Well, I'm just saying he's one of my favorite directors oh, because okay, he okay. can mix... Um, he takes older movies and mixes modern music with it, Okay. but it still fits. Yes. So that's okay. what I love about A Knight's Tale, is that you have this middle-aged setting, but they're playing queen rock songs. Yeah, that's <laughs> one the of the stands. key, it's one of the key aspects of this movie that makes it stand out. Yeah. And, but it's not like it, like, feels forced or anything, or it doesn't feel out of place, like, it just feels like this music belongs <laughs> In this arena. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's not that hard to do it, but for me, I feel like it does because they're just different time periods, and I feel like when you mix different time periods, it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I just really love this movie because it has so many quick-witted lines, particularly <laughs> by Alan Tudyk. Um, but him and Paul Bettany together are the funniest duo in the entire movie. Yeah. And they're just, they're just always going at each other's throats. Like Alan just 
or Watt just absolutely hates Chaucer because he is so scared that he's going to rat them out or like he's going to make a mistake because he's a huge gambler and um, just get them all executed or put in um, in the stocks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're one of the best parts of the movie. But I just like the whole theme of the movie of someone trying not necessarily to be greater than he is, like, status-wise, but just showing that he is as good as everyone else. Right, yeah, that his his worth his worth is going to be proven on the jousting stage and not... A title. Right, not a name, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I love this movie. It, it, this movie, I mean, this movie came out when I was in high school. It came out in uh, 2001. Um, so yeah, I was I was in high school when this came out. I remember going to the movies and seeing it, and it was just it was a fun movie. And the, even to this day, it's a fun movie. But this is like a Heath Ledger classic. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to see a movie with Heath Ledger just like looking like he's just having fun, go watch this movie. It's very good. It's very good. But no, th- there's just there there's there's just a lot of memorable moments in the movie. And even though the movie might feel predictable, um, it's a very simple plot, but it's still very enjoyable to watch. You know, there's a main bad guy, and you know, you know, eventually William is going to have to face him, and he's going to have to beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's fighting for the love of the the woman that he loves, and but it's just fun. It's really fun. I watched this movie just like a couple months ago with Amy, and I hadn't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. It had been a long time, um, but yeah, I, I very much like this movie. I, Paul Paul Bettany just stands out on top, in my opinion. He is perfect in this movie. So one of my favorite parts is when Paul Bettany or Chaucer is <laughs> giving. He has these amazing introductions for William, like, and everyone just loves listening to him. The protector of Italian virginity. (laughs) And then you have, um, oh gosh, you have Adamar's announcer, who who is trying to live up to that expectation, Right. and he just falls so short, and you just can't help almost pity him because <laughs> you're, you, know, you know he's trying but it's just not as good yeah no i mean even he gets kind of swept up in like his kind of the rhetoric that um paul bettany is delivering in those intros but <laughs> no this is a great movie it really is um but the the, the the critics and audience are definitely split on this so it's not as big of a gap as it was in the previous movie we just talked about but Rotten Tomatoes has a 58% approval rating from critics with 149 reviews submitted, but a 79% approval rating from the audience with over 378,000 user ratings submitted. Uh, so definitely enjoyed much more by the audience, but this is what the consensus, critics, critics consensus says. You ready? Mm-hmm. Once you get past the uh, anachronism, A Knight's Tale becomes a predictable, if spirited, Rocky on horseback. But what about that do you, I guess, agree with or disagree with? Okay, I'm just going to get this off right here. And I Let's know <laughs> people are going to hunt me down for this. Oh, gosh. I have never seen a Rocky movie. <gasps> oh. <laughs> but listeners, if you knew my sister like I know my sister, this does not come out of surprise at all. At all. But I'm still... 
a little bit sad, Samantha, that you haven't seen the Rocky movies. Oh my goodness. They okay. just no one's ever sat me down and made me watch them. <laughs> and um, that's what you have to do to get Samantha to watch new movies. You actually have to go and sit her down to watch it. It's true. <laughs> um, so I can't say anything about Rocky because I don't know that story very well. But for me, I I had this conversation with the formal review, kind of um, something along these lines, where I, for me, like a good plot isn't always the most important part. Like if you have a movie that can still stand up on its own <laughs> without the plot, I think that's fine. So I think that Alan Tudyk and Paul Bettany really hold up the plot very well. I think it's just like the characters, um, like their own development or their own personalities really hold up the movie mm-hmm. because it is I don't I don't feel like it is for the plot necessarily that's that this movie was made because yes it is um it is predictable but for me like that's not that's fine sometimes like that's just fine yeah exactly no and I agree like, I, I think the predictability in a movie isn't necessarily a weakness of the movie but that some movies don't have to be uh, this uber complex uh type of plot that it takes hours of thinking to figure out you know this isn't blade runner 2049 you don't have to put a lot of thought into just sitting back and enjoying the story that's told it's like sometimes movies were just made to be enjoyed exactly to watch and this movie is a great just if you maybe if you're feeling down just sit down and watch it and you'll laugh and you'll feel good because he made it No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And speaking of movies that are easy to watch and just sit back and laugh, let's get to your third movie, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you chose this one. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I just think it's funny because I feel like every time I watch this movie, I always text you. Because I just did this like a couple months ago when I watched it. I texted you and I said, this movie is so underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the third movie is a goofy movie. I just, yes! I just watched it again this morning. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, I did. Did you show Leland? I did. Samantha has a, what, 18 month, 18 month old and <laughs> watching a goofy movie at that age, was that sounds perfect to me. He doesn't sit down very long for movies, but I put it on anyways. <laughs> this movie, this movie is an absolute classic in the Hutchins family. Anyone that has ever been around our family knows that in just normal conversation, we end up quoting movies a lot. And this movie gets quoted a lot in our family. But I love this movie. I feel like I feel like I could probably quote this movie almost line for line. I definitely know the songs. I know almost all the songs by heart. It's such a great movie, but... I mean, it's, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what there, there's not to like about this movie. I And I'm looking at this, this Rotten Tomato, I mean, there's, well, we'll get into the numbers in a sec, but okay. just tell me about, what's your, like, experience and memories of this movie? Does it make you, does it remind you of our family and, like, growing up and stuff like that? What does it make you think of? Um, again, I've told you this before, but for whatever reason, I think it's the hair Max always reminds me of you. I me? always think of you when I see Max. And I think it's because he has like, black hair and it's kind of just longer and a little, not crazy. But and I guess unkempt. I look like a dog. 
No, not the dog. It's just the hair. It's literally just the hair. <laughs> that makes kidding. me think of kidding. you every single time. Okay. Um, but I think this movie is also really nostalgic for me. It's like I was watching it this morning and part of me was like, I can see why some people are like, what the heck is this movie? <laughs> but, I also, but growing up with it, I think it also made me learn to appreciate it uh-huh. and just a lot of like the one-liners and everything about it um so for example <laughs> then, <laughs> then goofy on their road trip takes max to a possible out park. on the open road <laughs> <laughs> yeah lester's possum park so i love lester's possum park <laughs> they watch this horrific um electric Who's your favorite possum <laughs> <laughs> okay they, i'm sorry okay keep going they watch this just absolutely horrific torturous um electric possums who are broken playing it's, it's like watching if you go to chuck e cheese and you have the animatronics on right. stage singing and dancing that's what it's like but Except way junky and broken down <laughs> because they are literally junk metal they don't even have like soft fur or anything <laughs> um but at the end then max is <laughs> He's complaining, and he says, my life is a living. And then this possum walks up and says, hello. (laughs) Hello, little buddy. (laughs) You're already wanting me to quote this movie already. Like, that first song I can sing. They've been laughing since I can remember. And they're not going to laugh anymore. But we're not going to sing it right now. No more Maxie the Geek. No no more Goof of the the Week week like before. Okay, okay, sorry, listener. Sorry I had to put you through that. Another thing that I love is the music. I think the music is really, really good. Um, I don't think any one of them is particularly a bad song. And I think they did a good job of doing Powerline songs because you have this huge rock band, mm-hmm. or as Max puts it, the world's greatest rock star. Mm-hmm. And the songs are catchy. Like You can see why people yes. would yes, like yes, this yes. band because the songs are really good, really catchy, and the guy looks really cool. Like The lead singer is really cool. And yeah. It's just... It's a great story about a father, a single father, who is trying hard to connect with his teenage son who doesn't want anything to do with him. And you get from the very beginning of the movie, you know... That Max's biggest nightmare is becoming his dad. Because he's, <laughs> he's in this field. He doesn't want to be a goof. He's in this field with his crush. And he goes in to kiss her. And she saw, she suddenly just falls back and is screaming. And she gets his teeth have grown huge. <laughs> and then he like shoots up and his ears get really long. And he starts yucking. <laughs> and he wakes up like in a panic and is just like checking everything and he's like oh my gosh okay i like i don't look like my dad like i i am still me <laughs> and you just have this whole problem throughout the entire movie of him just not wanting nothing to do with his dad and is just so embarrassed by every small thing that he does but what i noticed today is that he also has his dad has dropped off on him because his dad is talking about the Mumbo King and like everybody Mumbo. And then <laughs> when Max is in detention and his crush asks him on a date, then he starts. Then Max jumps up and yells, "Everybody Mumbo!" and starts dancing with the secretary. <laughs> and he's not embarrassed about it at all. Yeah, no. I, I for I think this is one of the strengths of the movie is the story because of of I think a lot of kids can maybe identify 
with this story. Maybe a strained relationship with parents. You feel like your parents are embarrassing to you. You're trying to impress your peers. You're going through middle school or high school. There's a lot of changes happening in your life. And what the movie opens up to, though, is that sometimes we get it wrong as kids. As crazy as that seems to some kids, <laughs> and especially when we are kids at the moment, um, but that, I mean, Max learns that his dad loves him and cares for him, and and it's just a great story. It's a great story, and I, I love this movie so much. I'm happy you chose this movie. Well, just, I also think that, yes, kids can absolutely be wrong. I think we do see our parents differently when we're teenagers. I think sometimes we can see them as tyrants or something mm-hmm. but at the same time you know parents can be wrong because then you have the i don't even know what to call them but you have the opposite uh character of pete and his son pj yes and pete is trying to give goofy advice of like keep max under your thumb like keep him under your control and every time goofy tries something like that then it just drives max even further away than before and so you just have this balance of when is the teenager right and when is the parent right mm-hmm. and i think it's great because like you said it's very relatable particularly to teenagers because right we all i think we all feel well like that. And, well and especially to adults because i mean max is growing up and he's not a little kid anymore and goofy is struggling connecting with his you know adolescent teen or tween or however old max is supposed to be in the movie you know so as max is getting older goofy is struggling figuring out how to identify now with his getting older son if that makes sense particularly because goofy continues to talk about how good of a relationship he had with his dad he's like me and my dad used to sing this song together all the time Mm -hmm. so he's trying to get max to sing this super super lame song and max wants (laughs) max wants to listen to his rock music and goofy's like no my dad and i sang this song together my dad and i did this together and it's like it just seems like he had a really good relationship with his dad yeah so it's hard for him to understand why max doesn't care to have that relationship Yeah. Um, so this movie is directed by Kevin Lima, or Lima, depending if you speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, he hasn't directed a ton of movies, but he did direct the Disney classic Tarzan, mm. and the animated one, and also Amy Adams' Enchanted. I love Enchanted. <laughs> I just watched that one recently, too. Yeah, and he, he did he did 102 Dalmatians, which is kind of the... It was like the spinoff of the live-action 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that great in theaters. And I didn't... I mean, I saw that movie maybe once as a kid. But, I mean, Tarzan and Enchanted, I think, are, are well-regarded Disney movies. They are but yeah, good. I think a Goofy movie is just as good. And I think the message is a great message as well. Um even now, I mean, this movie. This movie uh, came out in 1996, I think. Uh, I'm guessing right now, but let me see. 1995, 1995. So the year I was born. Even now, 15 years <laughs> later, uh, this movie. Or no, sorry, 25, 25. years. I'm Holy not cow! 15. 25 years later. Yeah, that movie came out when you were born. Crazy. You just aged yourself. <laughs> not me. I don't think 25 is that old. So. On Rotten Tomatoes, the uh, with only 26 reviews submitted, so it's not like a ton of critics have gone on here to review <laughs> the movie, but it has a 58% approval rating, so it's kind of split down the middle. But on the audience side, with over 357,000 user ratings submitted, it has a 70% approval rating. 
The critics' consensus says a goofy movie offers enough of its titular, uh, titular ingredient to satisfy younger viewers, even if most parents will agree that this beloved character deserves better. And I and I'll let you have the last word, but to think that Goofy deserves better than this movie is not understanding Goofy. I think this is Goofy at his peak. I'm not sure Goofy's <laughs> ever been bigger than a Goofy movie, and that I just that. that frustrates me that that's what people would think of this movie that goofy deserves better this is a goofy movie it's great <laughs> okay so what are your final thoughts um so one of my thoughts about that particular consensus is that i i think i am a younger viewer and so what i grew up with goofy is a goofy movie and so i've seen some of like the old shorts cartoons um that disney has made um and they're fine. I just like I said, like like or like you said. I think this is Goofy at his peak because this gives Goofy a purpose. It gives him a real life, mm-hmm. and just like again, just like real struggles that normal people have. And so, but you still have all of his like all of his goofiness, like from his yucking to <laughs> just being a klutz. Like you just <laughs> see all Why of that soup. <laughs> or when he's backing out of the driveway and he runs over his fence and he just looks up and he's like bye pile of broken wood <laughs> hello Mr. Bigfoot <laughs> oh I love this movie oh it's so good I'm happy we ended on this one too because it's very nostalgic for me um, but Samantha thank you thanks for being back on the podcast thanks for having me back it's always you, a pleasure you remember the last time you were on um, I believe Rachel Ogden and I did The Greatest Showman together. Yes, so you'd have to go back. I don't remember what re- uh, episode number that that was, but yeah, if you go back and listen to um, our review of The Greatest Showman, which is actually one of our most downloaded episodes ever, FYI. Is it really? Yes. Um, yeah, Probably go- more because of the movie, not for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Take the praise that comes with it. I'll just pretend. Um, yeah, you, you guys, uh, listeners, if you're just kind of getting uh, you know, into backseat directions if you're a new listener, you can go check out that review and listen to Samantha. But also, we had Samantha on for her own review. <laughs> um, my Cousin Rachel. With My Cousin Rachel, which Samantha hated. <laughs> I did. <laughs> spoiler and, alert. And I'm she st- hated it. <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm still mad that you blurted me out when I didn't even give a spoiler. Oh. <laughs> I have to go back and listen to that because I, I can't most, remember what it said. <laughs> I had the most vague response and you did this huge whoop, whoop, whoop. And then for other people, they were like, oh, by the way, there's a spoiler ahead, like a major spoiler. Okay, well, that was the first out. time. That was the first time I was still getting you. I was getting used to editing and the podcasting. It does hurt my Yeah, feelings. Samantha, just you guys can tell. Samantha holds on to grudges. <laughs> Well, listeners, thank you so much, Samantha. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, And listeners, thank you for downloading today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you uh, continue to listen to Backseat Directors and share the love. If you love this podcast, let your friends and family know about us. And until next time, I'm Andre Hutchins, and we will see you guys later. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. 
Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.